Hey y'all, this is Eric and you're listening to Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. Pretty sure it's episode 31. So, you know, we're getting it rolling this off season and uh, this is a pretty, pretty big episode to me. We're going to have one of our sponsors owners come on. Uh, Mr. Joe Miles from Osseo Gear. And, you know, we, we cover a lot of stuff. You know, we talk about hunting tactics, uh, the start of Osseo, some arrow setup stuff, broadheads. Um, <laughs> I kind of eat my words a little bit when it comes down to a certain broadhead brand. You'll hear all about it. But there is also a video that it will be dropping on YouTube the same day that this episode drops. So if you'd rather watch that, by all means, go ahead, watch it, get us the, you know, get us the views. Share the video, tell your friends about it. Uh, this is kind of how we're going to start doing it. We're going to start doing videos, um, or at least try to start doing videos for every episode. And, you know, that way we get it out in more than just one way. So before we get started with Joe, got to thank Osseo. Um, my favorite camo brand on the market. You know, I, I'm getting their uh, lightweight stuff for early season. And then I'll be getting their heavier stuff for once it starts getting a little colder around here. Um, if you want to go to Osseo and get you some good camo, go and use our promo code. It's SEBH10. Saves you 10% off anything site-wide. They also have until June 19th, they have the Father's Day special. It, I believe, it will save you 15% off of everything on the website. Go check out, um, either my Instagram, Joe's Instagram, or Osseo's Instagram, and you can see the promo code that they have for that. Just throw it in at checkout, and there you go. You're saving yourself some money. Um, next up is Summit Tree Stands. Favorite tree stand market, or <laughs> favorite tree stand brand on the market. I'm over here mixing my words, man. Um, yeah, you know, they they uh, they make a great tree stand. They really do. I, I'm actually in the process of getting my climber ready um, for season. You know, got to get some few things here and there to make it a little bit quieter. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. That climber's so comfortable and you know, why not? I mean, if you're in the market for a tree stand, go get one, hang on climbers, sticks, accessories, whatever. If you do that, we have a code for you. It's uh S E B H 15 saves you 15% site wide. I mean, come on guys. It's, it's saving you money. Why not use it? Uh, next up is urban archery outfitters and throw the outdoors. Say it all the time. They're a huge supporter of this podcast. Um, you know, they, they have that, uh, auction. I think it's every couple of months or something like that, where if you have enough big game bucks, you can go and win a property, um, basically hunting rights to that property for a certain amount of time. And they will provide, you know, deer photos. They have foods or feed sites out. If your state allows it, they have, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it's a lot, <laughs> It's, it's a ton of stuff to do and you know, they, they provide a lot for a hunter or whatever hunter it is that wins the property and thrill the outdoors is a YouTube channel. Go check them out. They always have great outdoor content. Um, just awesome people at at those places, man. Everybody that sponsors this podcast is just awesome. The conversation with Joe was a lot of fun. You know, we, we cut up a bit. It, It really was a good, you know, it was a good time. So I can't wait to have Joe come back on. Um, last but not least, I got to thank Drawback Outdoors and AA Outdoors TV. JD Cobb from Drawback Outdoors, one of my best friends. I love that dude. 
uh, great photography, awesome information if you have any questions about bow setups. And Andy Freeman from Double A Outdoors TV, he, he has some of the best outdoor content I've seen. He does review videos, hunting videos, fishing, all that stuff. And he and I are actually planning on hitting the range next month. And he's going to show me a little honey hole that he knows of on uh, public land that he's being gracious enough to kind of enlighten me to. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's exciting. Uh, I did get cameras out on public a couple days ago on a couple field spots, made a couple mock scrapes, you know, so season's coming up fast guys. Like if you haven't dialed your equipment in yet, if you haven't gotten any new equipment, if you haven't, you know, gone scouting or put your cameras out, this is the time because you don't want to be going in there stinking up your spots, you know, three weeks before season starts because you know if there is a big buck in there most of the time he's going to know you're there and he won't really show up much so me and joe kind of go into that you know we talk about mock scrapes and just everything man it was it was such a good episode i really 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 can't thank him enough for coming on and i'm looking forward to the next one so let's get started with joe miles from osseo gear and also his podcast mission whitetail All right, guys, we got Mr. Joe Miles uh, on this podcast episode today. And if that name sounds familiar, then that's because he is with Osseo and also the Mission Whitetail podcast. Um, you know, this dude is, if you could see, and if you're watching the video, you'll see his wall. <laughs> this man knows what he's doing. Uh, so what's going on, Joe? How you been, man? Man, I'm doing great, buddy. I hope you are. I, I appreciate you having me on. It's always awesome to, to talk with like-minded guys and talk about deer and tactics and, and all the stuff that we love, man. And, and you being in the, in the Southeast makes it even better. Um, you know, that's obviously where I grew up and, and, and still love to hunt the Congaree River Swamp even today. And, and uh, man, I just thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Humble to be here. Yeah, man, of course. I've, uh, I've been wanting to get you on for quite a while. I just especially with Osseo coming on and, you know, supporting the podcast and all that, I thought what better, what better person to have on. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, so I guess for those who don't know you that maybe live under a rock, um, could you give us a little background and like, you know, what got you into hunting clearly on your wall? You, you picked it up pretty well. <laughs> so, well, well uh, I appreciate that. So, so yeah. Um, you know, the, I guess the bio, my dad in, in was a was a huge hunter still is um i grew up in that family uh my dad i, I told this story uh last night to some guys so guys if you're listening to multiple podcasts and you you hear this story a few times i apologize but it's exactly kind of the th highlights of my childhood that i remember i can remember waking up in the middle of the woods uh being a little teeny guy in a sleeping bag and looking out and, and just being in the middle of nowhere and piece of candy hitting me in the top of the head and, and looking up my dad's in a tree you know he, he would take me when I was that little and and so you know I, that, that was my dad um, I can remember we used to the, the stands that we would hunt in in the swamp on the Savannah River th there would be railroad ties uh, nailed into the sides of the tree and then there'd be a two by four up between a fork in the tree and, you know, obviously the, the steps were, or the, the pegs were too far for a little guy, you know, four or five years old for me to climb up. So I would literally wrap my arms around his neck, like a, like a monkey. And then he would, he would climb up the tree with me on his back. And then I'd sit on his lap for the, you know, entire afternoon or morning or whatever it was. So, you know, that was my dad, you know, he had a, a, a 
crazy work ethic, was ahead of his time in hunting and, and um, you know, lit the fire under me when I was really, really little. And just that, that was my life. And it was sports and football, uh, well, it was sports and hunting, football, baseball and hunting. And that's that's all we did. And so that that was, you know, I was very, very fortunate to grow up with a dad like that, that, that you know, took care of me and, and taught me the ropes and passed on his passion. And I took it hook, line and sinker. Yeah, man, that sounds like the uh, the dream childhood. <laughs> if you ask it, me. it was. Uh, I didn't even get into hunting until about five years ago. I mean, I've always been into it, but I, you know, grew up in that family where you had like one uncle that would hunt and, you know, I'm originally from Illinois. So he, he would go out on like probably one weekend a year with all his buddies. And I remember probably being shoot, man, four or five years old being like, can I go with you? And he'd be like, no, no, it's not for kids. And I never knew what he meant until I grew up. And then I was like, Oh, I know what you were doing. Y'all, y'all yeah. just, went out there and had a few beers and you didn't want to see me or want me to see you like that. So yeah, I, uh, man, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. Like seeing where, like hearing all these, you know, background stories from the guests that we've had on and, and like just seeing what y'all have done with the passion of hunting, you know? And so, I mean, it, it, it it's, it's inspiring to be honest, you know, because especially being so new to it, it's good to have guys like you that, you know, will make content and put out, you know, really good um, podcast episodes, products, all that stuff. So, I mean, it's, you know, what y'all are doing is very inspiring. So I just wanted to tell you that. that. No, appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, so before we dive into the whole arrow thing, because I've been watching a bunch of your videos. (laughs) Everyone that, that knows this podcast knows I'm obsessed with Three things, broadheads, arrow setups, and veins. Yep. Uh, so before we dive down that rabbit hole, what um, Osseo, what's the whole history with that? Because, you know, I heard about it through Don Higgins, and yep. he was talking about the camo pattern, how it was so different from, you know, like all the other stuff. And I, I just, I looked it up one day. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks a little different, but I didn't know anything about it. So what what's kind of the history with that? Like, where did where did that start? And yeah. how did it, it is now? Yep. So uh, I got to a point where I, I got to do some kind of mountain hunting, some sheep and goat and some elk hunting, you know, out in the West and, and up in the Rockies, Alaska. And, you know, a, a lot of those areas require some really switched on stuff. You got to have really good clothing or, or, you know, it can be life and death in, in some of those situations, especially Wrangell Mountains up in the glaciers in Alaska places like that, you've got to have really good clothes. And, and, you know, I grew up hunting like the Michelin man, you know, I had 15 layers of cotton on and maybe an outer layer of fleece and I still froze to death. And, and even in South Carolina, you know, in 25 degree weather, I was freezing, feet were frozen and, and finally got exposed to some really high end gear and, and just was like, oh my God, I had no idea this stuff was out there. And I started using it in, in the whitetail woods and I just was not happy with how loud it was. And I was not happy with the camo pattern. And I said, you know, if I could ever figure out a, a camo pattern that actually worked from South Carolina to Florida to Texas to Alberta to Kansas and everywhere in between that really worked in, in all the whitetail range in all the seasons, you know, I, I ought to start a line and fill that gap. You know, I really saw a gap there between the really premium 
uh, high speed stuff and a great whitetail camouflage pattern, you know, so, so I just kind of filed that away and um, was thinking, you know, if I ever, if I ever do that, then, then if I can ever get the camo pattern nailed, I'm going to, I'm going to start that. And, um, you know, I've told this story and anybody that follows Osseo has heard it. So guys, I apologize if you've heard this story as well, but um, <laughs> I'm literally, I guess it was 2018, 2019, walking uh to pull a stand in october it's 10 o'clock in the morning i was going to pull a stand and two great horn owls got in a fight or breeding or whatever they were doing above me one of them flew into a oak tree and you know how owls do they just vanish you know when they're so quiet and, and you know they're just camouflaged like crazy flew into a tree vanished walked over to him he started doing a little head bob and he flew into a, a pine or a different tree and he vanished again and i said man that's some that camo is insane. And I walked over to him and he, he, he flew off and, you know, I started thinking about it and I said, man, that is an awesome predator. That's an awesome camo pattern. I wonder, I wonder what the eyesight, like the scientific eyesight of deer, rats, mice, squirrels, rabbits. I wonder, I wonder how similar their eyesight is. And, and I had no background in biology or anything, but but I'm pretty resourceful. So got home, called a couple of veterinary friends of mine and got them kind of to get with some biologists at the zoo and some guys that really understood ungulate uh, eyesight and, and how animals see. And lo and behold, like tree squirrels and those type animals have exactly the same type eyesight as a white-tailed deer. They have dichromatic eyesight. And the prey animals, the, the eyes are set up the same on the head. And, and so I said, okay, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist here and I'm a pretty simple Southern boy, but I got a natural predator, ambush predator that hunts out of trees, that's hunting animals that have the same eyesight that me as a human is hunting and those type owls are across all the whitetail range and they don't change colors you know in in, in august they're the same color in a in a green canopy as they are in january in ohio in a completely barren canopy that owl never changes colors and i said okay nature knows what it's doing so if, if i want a really high speed switched on camo pattern i need to mimic that owl and, and that's, that's exactly what we did. We, we got um, some really high-end, um, high-resolution pictures of owl feathers, their patterns, their shades, the depth, the shadows, the coloring. And we developed the Osseo Raptor camo pattern. And then that, that, that was the hard part. The easy part was getting the, the technology with the clothing. You know, it's out there and, and can be purchased. And so that's what we did is we got the the highest end, quietest fabrics, the best cutting and sewing that we could get. So we had, you know, Prima Loft insulation, which is the highest weight to heat ratio insulation that you can have, uh, windproof liners. So if you're in Kansas and 45, you know, degree temperatures or, or 20 degree temperatures and there's a 20 mile an hour wind, the wind's not going to cut through you. And then we, we developed the line, put our camo pattern on it, then tested it in Alberta and Kansas and then in South Carolina in August. So we've got stuff from early season all the way to late season and, uh, you know, launched it and we're going into our fourth year and, you know, we're up to over 10,000 customers and, and it just, you know, every year it's growing and growing and growing and, and um, guys that bow hunt really seem to like it. And, and we, we couldn't be more excited with where it's headed. Yeah, man. I mean, it, when I first heard about it, like I said, it was from Don Higgins and he's telling, you know, on his podcast, he's like, yeah, I've got, you know, this new camo pattern. And it really, 
seems to be doing doing the trick. And so when I saw that it was, you know, because I've been using the same Walmart stuff for the past five years, you know, and I'm not going to name any brands, but it done okay. But I mean, I've hunted from the ground in a ground line. Like I've been in trees and I haven't been seen, but I've been seen a few times. And the biggest thing for me was the fact that, you know, y'all base it off of an owl. And I've seen owls in trees and exactly yeah. what you're talking about where you see it fly across, it lands in the tree and it's gone. And you know, there's no hole in the tree. So you're like, how did that, how, what, what did you just do? And so that kind of intrigued me. And then I looked into it and I just, dude, I've been a fan ever since I found y'all honestly um i'm actually planning on getting some of the new i guess the lightweight hoodie and pants uh before yep. season here because i mean you know one thing i did notice like you said you know uh high quality material and stuff like that like i've i've moved a couple times in my stand and i've heard it myself and i'm like man if the deer is anywhere near me it's not gonna it's not gonna show up because it's just too you know it's too noisy sure and, I'm excited to try it out. I mean, I, I should have got it a long time ago. I just, life gets in the way. <laughs> so. no, I get it. No, no, I get it, man. Well, it, it, it's definitely there and we, we really appreciate it. So um, yeah, we've got some new stuff coming this year. It's uh, completely different than what's, what's out there now. We got some collar designs, fabric designs that are, that are coming. And, and, th and that's kind of where we are now as a company is, is trying to stay ahead with the technology because technology in, in the textile industry is improving every year and we want to be on the front end of that we don't want to be copying people and 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 that's kind of where we are as a company now is trying to continue bringing the the, the technology to market and, and the design the features you know we, we we we've been doing this bow hunting stuff for well over 30 years and there's things that that work for you and things that can actually hurt you and, and so that's, we, we really pay attention to our design and how it's going to benefit us bow hunters. Gotcha. Um, one, so something that crossed my mind a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about like the design and everything. Um, as you know, down here in the South, we, we have good cover till about, what would you say, November? Yep. 100%. Well, something I ran into last year um, was that the, the, so early season, no issues, right? Could get up bunch of trees around and everything's fine come november i couldn't find a tree that i could get in where i was covered so have you have you i'm assuming you tested it but would you say that like the pattern that y'all have kind of blends in with the tree better than just like the standard you know foliage? Yes, it's, no 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 doubt about it and and let, let me back up you know just a little bit you, i'm not going to argue with a guy that says look i can go out in my blue jeans and my flannel shirt and kill a deer it, mm -hmm. it happens. It, it happened forever. You know, guys did it. And, and before that, guys did it in loincloths with spears. So so technology, you know, the flannel came along and blue jeans came along and guys did it in that. And then, you know, Realtree and Mossy Oak came along and that kind of revolutionized things and, and guys killed it in that. And then you get the digital patterns out there. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the patterns have been over engineered now. And, and they're 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 more for the person than they are for actually the hunting, and we've kind of gone the opposite way. Um, but but not, not about that. The, the the point is, you you can kill a deer in a plaid shirt and blue jeans or a white t-shirt or whatever. I'm, I'm not going to argue that. Where a good camouflage pattern sets itself apart is with movement. Deer see movement. 
Yep. And yep. when you are moving to draw your bow or you've been sitting there for six hours and you turn to look over your left shoulder and he's standing right there, if you've got good camo on, you've got a much better chance of him not picking you off than if you are in blue jeans and a white T-shirt. You know, good camo, it's, it's edges, it's, it's, it's small things. And if you're going to, if, if you want to hunt in good quality clothing so you can sit there regardless of, of what camo it is, you, you ought to have good camo on it because it is going to give you an advantage. There is a reason that every natural ambush predator on this planet is camouflage. A leopard, mm. a bobcat, a coyote, a wolf, an owl, a hawk. If you look at the natural ambush predators, a lion, uh, mountain lion, you know, they, they are camouflaged naturally. And there's a reason for that. You know, that, yeah. that, that's just not out of happenstance. So for somebody to say camo won't work or, or is not needed, I, I do have a, you know, a, an issue with that because I, I know in nature and I know with my, my own experiences that it, that it absolutely can help. Yeah. And what's crazy, I think one of the reasons, aside from everything else you just said, um, that I like so much is because y'all really did do it different because like you were saying every single predator no matter what it is has camo and I've, yep. I've i've always kind of wondered like why haven't more companies gone that route i mean i understand the whole foliage and looking like a tree and, and all that that's fine but if a deer sees a certain tree every single day and then you get up there and you have the same pattern but you move the deer's going to pick you off like that sure you know what i mean Oh, it, it kind of, I think what y'all are doing with it is a revolutionary thing because you're sort of taking a different approach to it where rather than looking like something that's, you know, not, I mean, it's not really designed to be camouflaged. You're taking something that is designed to be camouflaged and turning it into something that a person can use, you know? Yep. So yep. yeah, I'm excited to use it. I really am. Cause I'm planning on hunting out of a tree a lot more this year. Um, I finally pretty much got over my fear of heights. <laughs> so, <laughs> good, I mean, good deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I can't wait. I'll probably be ordering it in the next three to four weeks or so. Sweet. Uh, so going from that, um, well, actually, no, you know what? I, I got one more question about it. Yep. Uh, where do you see Osseo in 10 years? Cause I'm saying I'll grow up and I just, I feel like the sky's the limit right now. Yeah, I mean that that's that's our um our goal is is really to get it in as as many bow hunters hands as we can because you know it, it's a business for us, right? And we we're, we're passionate about it, but I really do deep down inside feel like it's going the, the, the pattern and the quality of the clothing is going to help guys be more successful. And if you can help people, you know th that's a legacy play for us. You, you know, I can't tell you the number of DMs or emails or text messages I get of guys with their, their first really big deer in ICO. And man, that, that is, you, you go from walking in the woods and seeing two owls, you know, getting it on or fighting or whatever they were doing to, to, to guys sending you a picture of a 190 in Illinois, their biggest deer wearing Aussie, a, a camouflage pattern that you put on clothing. And, and man, it's, it's humbling. And it, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's, it's a cherished moment that, that, that I really, really appreciate and, yeah. and, 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 and proud of, of, you know, having helped a, a small bit in that, in that guy's success. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is that I should have gotten Osseo two years ago when I saw a Booner on public turn around <laughs> me and was gone. So, 
think I realized one of my major mistakes there. But um, you know, speaking of you know big deer and stuff like that, man, you have what about sixty, maybe more giant? Yeah, so, so, somewhere around <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing it a long time, man. <laughs> Dude, when I first saw that, because I saw a picture of that, um, I think it was last night. I messaged you, and I'm like, "Is that your trophy room?" And you're like, yeah, it is. I'm like, dude, that looks like a piece of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like just coming in here and vegging out for sure. <laughs> oh, I, I'd live in there. I would do things to make my wife mad just so I could go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was watching some of your hunting videos. There was one you had, I think it was three different bucks. And these guys were giants. Um, I think one of the deer was called the 29, right? Well, it, they were all killed on the 29. Oh, okay. It, so was, it was, yeah, it was three bucks back to back to back killed on 29 acres in Illinois. That's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you hunt up in Illinois a lot? Is that like, I, you, I used to hunt a lot in Illinois. Now, um, more Kansas, Kentucky, um, Ohio, a lot here at home, um, and, and try to get up to Canada and down to Mexico. I, I really like the, the Mexico stuff late. Well, it's rut, rut for them, but it's December. That South Texas, Mexico, I, I love the weather and, and the rut action there is insane. I mean, it's almost daily snort wheezing, grunting, fighting, chasing. It's just action packed. So I, I really, really enjoy that. You know, it's, it's different, you know, because there, you know, it's, it's rattle the corn bucket. And you're feeding senderos and, you know, they're, they're coming out to feed. So it's totally different than, you know, a, a DIY hunt in, in Ohio or, or Kansas or, or whatever it may be. So it's, it's a different different world but but it you know so so yeah that that's kind of w what i do i don't i don't hunt Ill the question was illinois and i do want to get back into illinois but it's been a few years gotcha gotcha yeah i so you mentioned kansas that's the they just um got that new law right where you can't have cell or cameras on public or on public yep that's right no cell no, no trail cameras on public ground that's right you hunt any public out there um, not, not in Kansas. I have in other states. I've hunted public in Illinois, Mississippi. Um, in Kansas, I've got a real good buddy that's, that's got access to a bunch of private, and I, I kind of pick up a farm from him each year and, and hunt it. Um, so, so, yeah, and it's getting harder and harder to get drawn out there. I've been real lucky in, in drawing the last three years, but I'm sure next year um, that, that I won't be so fortunate. But um, I, I did get drawn this year, so I'll be back out there. Gotcha. So you have to, cause I've never hunted out of state. I mean, I'm planning on going to Colorado in the next two to three years, but, um, so when you go like to your buddy's place, you, you have to still get drawn for a tag. You can't just pay a out of state fee. No, you, in Kansas, you have to get drawn. Um, you, you apply for a non-resident, um, either sex tag and, or, or antler tag and, and you, you have to apply for certain units, um, you know, like, like unit 10, 12, 14, three, whatever it is, it's the whole state's divided into units and you apply and you either get drawn or you don't. Wow. That's dude. Hearing that compared to what we have down here in Georgia and South Carolina, that's, yeah. that is insane. I mean, cause yep. what's y'all's tag system in uh, South Carolina? Isn't it like three bucks and like 12 does or something like that yeah so we get three bucks and then you get two bonus bucks so we can shoot five bucks here and then uh seven ten does something like that it used to be unlimited bucks i mean my dad shot my dad shot 52 bucks in a row without missing a deer and that was over multiple seasons that wasn't all in one season but yeah he he killed 52 in a row without missing um and he missed it i think i was with him when he missed his 52nd 
deer. Um, it was right at dark and I think he shot over it, but, um, anyway, yeah. So, so, I mean, he, it would be, it would be nothing for him to kill 15, 16 bucks in a season. That is insane. I don't even think I see that many bucks in a season. Yeah. It, it, I'm telling you, he was an animal. <laughs> no doubt about it. That's crazy. Cause like one thing that, you know, I've noticed and I, out here, I've got, um, two public land WMAs that are within 10 minutes of the house. So I've been kind of putting a lot more focus on that, but I've got two private spots that early season it's on fire. I mean, right now it's kind of dead. You know, I haven't really seen any, anything worth note yet, but we still got, you know, two, three months. But, um, so I guess what I'm asking is, have you noticed like around November time that they just kind of disappear here in South Carolina? Yeah. Um, Man, most of my November is the, the last few years has been been out of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know the, the properties I hunt here, I, I mentioned earlier the Congaree River Swamp, and you know it's thousands of acres of of cutovers and hardwoods and pine forest and river swamp and and um, I haven't I haven't noticed that that November they they vanish. You know when I when I have come home and hunted, uh, you, you know they they, they certainly change. Um, you know, like uh, July, August, you know, I'm going to find them up on the hill of the swamp, um, you know, in the, in the ag. And then as, as the ag gets taken out, the acorns start dropping, you know, they, they dump back into the swamp. Um, so, so they definitely will change locations. But I, I think once they're down in the swamp, um, they, they're there. And, and you can, you know, I've killed them in December, I've killed them in November and, you know, been able to, you know, run a lot of trail cameras and get, get the, the, the bucks moving a lot further than they were early season, you know, in different locations. Yeah. Cause over the spots I've got aside from the public, I mean, I'm kind of doing it seek one style where it's like seven, eight acres, you know, small tracks of land. I mean, the main one that I, that I go to um, is seven acres of my grandparents own uh, about eight acres next door and then about 200 acres of just open hardwoods just right behind all of that and last year I noticed that you know it was on fire up until end of October and maybe it was because I was going in too much I think that's kind of what it was um but dude they just disappeared I saw one deer from November to January and it yeah was- and you know it could be food a lot of things you know uh, human intrusion is the number one thing you'll hear Don Higgins talk about that over and over and over again and and that is the the, the number one um the, the number one factor is putting pressure on deer I mean they, especially mature bucks they, they figure that out quick and um you know it's something you, you just have to be cognizant of but but I would rather have the right four acres um than than the wrong you know, 800 or 8,000, um, you know, like we talked about earlier, that 29 acre track in Illinois was only 29 acres, but I shot a 164, a 186 and a 183 back to back to back. And it, it, it there would have been a big one in there every single year. I ended up losing that place. Um, but, but, it, and it was a spot that literally like I hunted two days the first year, maybe one day the second year and maybe three days the third year. It never went in there um, only to pull camera cards because we didn't have text cameras back then. So only to pull camera cards and waited for the absolute right weather, right wind. And those were the days that I would hunt. Um, so those small properties can be absolutely deadly, uh, but, but you, you've got to only hunt them when conditions are, are right. And you know, there's a deer coming through there you want to kill. Yeah. You know, I, I think, 
having you say that T-Bone say that Jay Maxwell say that just everybody that knows what they're doing, basically tell me, dude, only go in when it's right. That's probably what I'm going to do this year. Cause you know, it, it, it's really hard though, you know, cause you get that bug, like you wait all year to hunt and then season comes up and you're like, Oh, well, we're not doing anything this weekend. I could probably go. Yeah. You blow know? up the, blow up the public, man. Go blow up that, the public, get, get, get the, get the bug out of your system. You never know. You might stumble into a giant in there, go in there, make mistakes, learn, you know, have at it, learn the public and, and blow it up and, and just get that out of your system and, and then save your, save your good spots for, for when it's right. Yeah. I mean, there. so the main public spot that I hunt at, and I don't mean to, you know, kind of harp on all this too long, but, um, there's one spot that is 200 yards from the parking area and two years in a row now I've seen. So in 20, 2021, I saw the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. That one I just told you about. Um, and then last year I had five different shooter bucks on camera. And so I'm like, dude, that right there is, the spot it's just every time i've gone in i haven't seen them but i think you know this coming year because we have three weeks of bow season on that spot and then the other wma has i think another two or three weeks um so i'm like i'll probably take your advice and just go do that and then sort of keep an eye on the main spot yeah because the that i was after over there didn't even show up till i think beginning of october so you know it it's kind of not worth it. I mean, yeah, the, the deer behind me on the wall over here, he, I shot him second weekend of season. And that was my first bow buck. I mean, that, you know, that, but after that, everything started going downhill. So I think uh, I, I'm going to have to listen to y'all because <laughs> they're being stubborn and not seeing nothing. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Well, I know you'll get it done. You, you're, you, I can tell you're hungry and um, already got some in the bag. So I, I know it, it's going to keep happening for sure. Yeah, it's only a matter of time and whatever God's plan is, it's his plan. So I can't Absolutely. argue. Um, so before we get into the arrow stuff, because I'm itching to hear your opinion on all this. And I'm sure you get this question all the time. What's the story on your biggest deer? Like, what is your biggest deer? And what's the story leading up to it? Uh, well, I, I've killed a couple of 200 inch mule deer. Um, there's one right there. That's a 209 mule deer. Uh, biggest whitetail 186 he's right there um okay. 180 i've killed four over 180 um and i think eight over 170 but 186 is my my top end buck and i shot him in illinois uh on the that 29 acre track and have got insane video footage of him coming across that little crp field and he like he had a big fly he's got a big flyer yeah. off the back I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and he he laid his head back, scratched his back with it, and stood out in the sun. And and um, so so that was a buck that that I got pictures of and um, multiple pictures of that deer, and just waited until uh, let's see, I killed him on like November second, I believe. I'd, I'd have to go back and look because it's been a while. But um, we, we had a real high pressure system move in and I, I'm a big believer in that overhead moon. The, the uh, Adam Hayes, my buddy owns the deer hunters moon guide. And, and we hunted with that thing years before he, he bought it. Um, and anyway, I, we had an overhead moon for, for the next three days, high pressure system, uh, temperatures dropping, cold front coming. I needed a northeast wind was the absolute perfect wind. And it, northeast is a little weird. You know, northwest is more common, but um, got everything that I needed. And so I, I went in there about two o'clock in the afternoon and, and got set up. And man, 
I think it was 4.30 in the afternoon, he stood up in the CRP and I saw him. And he was walking, he was gonna go out into this old abandoned cattle pasture and then out into the ag. And so I snort wheezed at him and called to him some and he bristled up and, and like big mature bucks do, he just took his time. You know, he laid his ears back and, and he, he looked in my direction and he started coming to me. He gets 70 yards out, he stops in that CRP and just looks and looks and looks. And he's obviously too close to call at again or he'd have pinned me in the tree and he's just, figuring everything out and he, he starts to close a different di distance again but he turns and walks into some privet or honeysuckle and uh, when he got in that honeysuckle where he couldn't see me I grunted really softly again and he popped out on this little walking path and, and came right under me and I shot him um, so it, it was a it was a you know just a perfect storm a, a great hunt and you know they, they certainly always don't work like that you know I've, I've snort wheezed at bucks before too and they, they've run so um, you know, it, 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 worked out that day. Yeah. Well, and that, so that whole, um, snort wheezing and grunting at him thing that I kind of want to touch on that. Cause I've had a little bit of success with that. Um, that big one I was telling you about on public, you know, I had the a grunt tube in the can and I was listening to some podcast on Southern outdoorsman. I forget the guy's name, but he said that what he'll do is he'll grunt, like kind of do like a whole sequence, you know, left to right. And then he'll hit the, the can once or twice. And he said he's had that work a million times for him. So I did that. And then that big one showed up. And if I was facing the other way, he'd have been dead. But unfortunately, he came in behind me and it was it's a whole long story. But uh, yeah, you know that I've always wondered, though, because I've tried the same thing in different spots and it's it's never worked. You know? Yeah. So, so I'm not a blind caller. Like, like I don't just sit up there and get bored and go, you know what, I'm going to rattle or I'm going to, I don't even take rattling horns with me. Um, I, I take a grunt tube and, and then I snort wheeze with my mouth and it, it's always only as a last resort. Like I see the deer that I'm after. He, and those encounters are so rare and he's, he's, out of range, he's walking away, he's going a different direction. And then, then I'll, I'll throw that at him, but I'm real, you know, normally start with a, a really small grunt, um, you know, and just, just kind of see what he's doing. And you can kind of get a feel for it, whether he's, you know, going to be interested at all, or if you're wasting your time. And if you're wasting your time, I stop. I don't, I don't force it. You know, if I grunt and, and, you know, he kind of bristles up or rakes a tree or something like that, then I'm like, okay, he, he's, he's dominant, he wants to play, and then maybe hit him with a snort wheeze or some more aggressive grunts. And, and you know, that, that's all I do calling wise. And it, it has to be something that I can see, and I, I'm really soft with it to start with, just to see how the deer reacts. Gotcha, so do you change your tactics up like when you're hunting in South Carolina? Cause you know, down here, un unless I don't really, I don't know the spots that you're hunting down here, but at least where I'm at, it is and you can barely see 50 yards in front of you so is it like that for you up there yeah I, I do very 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 little calling I I think I've, I've never snort wheezed at a deer in South Carolina maybe I ought to try it because uh, we've got dominant bucks and I've heard them I've heard them snort wheeze before here but um, I have grunted in a few bucks um, that, okay. that were out of range um, so I I've always got a grunt to you know not early season, but when we get into the pre-rut rut <clears throat> I've always got a grunt call with me and um, I will absolutely use it. Gotcha. So are you, um, do you use mock scrapes? Have you absolutely. ever? Oh yeah. 100%. Yep. Gotcha. What, um, 
what time frame would you say down here? Because obviously Illinois and all that other stuff is totally different than than here. I mean, we basically are hunting southern coos as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Kurt Geyer told me about that one, so I had to give him a little shout out. But uh, what time do you start putting mock scrapes out? Because I think I started doing it late to mid August last year on the private spot. <laughs> I think mid October on public, and I mean they were. If I had my phone out, I'd have had you know a video of two bucks basically standing up, trying to get at it, and just a bunch of a bunch of deer really hitting it. So around what time frame of the year would you say you start your mock scrapes i'm putting some in this weekend and we're in june. yeah in june yep i'll put them in this weekend i won't put cameras or anything on them yet i'll wait till july to put cameras in but i'll go ahead and and get the limb heights right get, get a big uh heavy uh tooth rake get them raked out um so yeah i'll be putting some in this weekend um i put some in with bobby worthington in kentucky um three weeks ago um so so yeah we'll, we'll get them put in early man and um you know get out of there I, i've i've got to actually go to kentucky and cut that camera on i've got one camera um that, that i'm gonna have to go out there and, and turn on because i didn't want my batteries to to die but um yeah so so summers um get the mock scrapes in you know i, I think up until middle of august you're good uh i, I have a few rope scrapes i just kind of started messing with those and the key to rope scrapes is making sure that hemp rope has weathered because it's got a real bad chemical smell and it, it can take six months for it to get that chemical smell out. Um, you can speed that process up by having like a, a tote filled up with baking soda and water and let them soak in it for three days and that'll help, but it still doesn't do it. Um, the best thing, you can, best thing you can do with that, that stuff is to do that process and then hang those things where you want them in, in, in like February. And, okay. and then by the time season rolls around, um, they, they'll be good. But uh, you, you take a piece of hemp rope, and and um, in South Carolina, we can't use uh, real uh, scent. You know, we have to use synthetic scents. We can't use, really? yeah, against the law to use um, real real deer scent. So we have to use synthetic. But I don't even use scent. I, I don't scent up any of mine. I let the deer do it. Um, okay. You know, once a, once a buck hits a, hits a scrape or a rope scrape and puts his – orbital gland on there he pees in the scrape it, it's off and running and if you've got your scrape in the right place and you got the branch that he, he's going to want to hit at the right height the, the, a big mature buck's not going to walk by there and not hit it he, yeah. he's going to hit it and once he gets it started then it's just you know repetitive gotcha so have you noticed um because i've i've looked a lot into like what troy pottinger does and and some of the stuff that and i know how people feel about this but some of the stuff that like mitch rompola used to say back in the day and um about scrapes and and all that stuff do you notice more activity at night than during the day because i've depends, heard that depends on where they are um okay. you, you know you, you walk up on an acorn flat and see a big a big scrape and and um you know you get all excited and i'm gonna hunt there and then you throw your camera out there and you know it, it, everything is at night right they're hitting that scrape and, and and it's because they're not getting there till night you know you you, you find a you find a really thick bedding area um this got scraped right on the outside of it you're more likely to have you know daylight activity um you know you, you find a big big rut funnel um you know where several travel corridors come together and it it, it really connects two 
big areas and it's a really tight bluff funnel or ditch funnel um, and you've got scrapes along there, you know, during the pre-rut, those bucks are going to be coming through there and you will get them at all hours. You'll get them at three o'clock in the morning and noon. Um, so it, it, it really just depends on where they're, where they're located. But of course, a lot of scrapes get worked in the night, no doubt about it. Yeah. Cause I was, I, I, um, when I first started doing mock scrapes, I would just think, all right, cool. I'm going to scrape the ground, find a branch, spray it, pour it, done. And literally, man, it was so disheartening because I it was all nighttime. Yeah. And how does because you know, Seek One does a lot of that stuff. And I, I try to model a lot of what I do after them, considering, you know, I grew up 20 minutes from where those guys are from. So, you know, try to support those guys as much as I can. Hmm? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah, and and they're great dudes too. So it's like I just figured I'll do what they're doing. They're killing 200 inch deer and three acres. <laughs> and uh it, it just didn't work, you know, up until I started really realizing what I needed to do. But I, dude, I got to ask you, why can't y'all use um, real deer pee? Yeah, it's just, just the law of the state of South Carolina. Yeah. No, no, um, no real, real deer lure. It has to be synthetic. I, I think it's, they're, they're worried about e, um, CWD, chronic waste disease. I think that's what they're worried about. Um, and, and so, yeah, the, the rules are the rules and, and guys use it. There's a lot of guys that, that use it and they sell a ton of it, it you know, at the local sportsman's warehouse and guys buy it and put it out, but I, I'm not about to, um, I'm not going to, you know, do anything like that. I, you know, just go stick by, you know, all the, all the rules and regs for sure. Well, what you've been doing has obviously been working, so I wouldn't change it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So let's get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Uh, where do I want to start? There's so much to it. Um, okay, the heavy versus light arrow thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I've gone to the extreme end of it, and I've gone to like to the very heavy side, just ridiculous FOC, 675 grain arrows. And then I've gone lighter, like let's say 400, with I don't even know how much FOC. Um, you did a test on YouTube that really kind of, in my opinion, put everything to rest because you had a 650 grain arrow and a 450 grain arrow. And I think there was like what a half inch to quarter inch difference of penetration. Yep. Yeah. And it was the, the, fa- the faster arrow um, penetrated, the lighter arrow penetrated better. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we, we could talk for three hours on, <laughs> on this, on this subject. And okay. the, 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 the first thing is it, there, there is science behind this, right? There, there, there is science and we're, we're splitting hairs here. If, if a guy feels really confident with a 650 grain era and a small single bevel broadhead and, you know, penetration is his main thing that he's worried about and he's shooting 20 yards and in, um, you know, have at it, brother. Um, you know, you know, cavemen have killed them with spears, throwing them, you know, w- w- with their arms. So, so knock yourself out. I, no, no problem with that. Um, the, the, the issue that I have and a lot of guys that shoot a lot of stuff and a lot more stuff than me is there, there's, there's more to killing animals than penetration mm-hmm. um, and the penetration that you get with a 650 grain error versus a 450 grain error is, is not significant. And nobody can show me in any real world test now you you can lay a dead buffalo out 
and you can shoot it 50 different times and you're going to hit that dead buffalo different every single time. It's nothing consistent about that. So you may have one that goes in four inches and one that passes all the way through him because you hit a shoulder bone or you hit part of the shoulder bone or you hit part of the scapula. You're never going to hit him the same. So we, we developed a mold that was very consistent and we, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not paid by some company to shoot a particular broadhead or a particular arrow. I want the absolute best setup all around to kill whitetail deer and big mature whitetail deer because it's so rare to get an opportunity in a deer like that. I'll, everything I can control, I want to have absolutely dialed and switched on. So when, when I really started looking at it, you know, I, like you, I've, I've gone to all the extremes. Um, I'm like, oh, I got to have cut on contact, fixed blade head. I got to have 650, 700 grains. I got to have 30% FOC. Sort of shooting. I was like, man, that, that doesn't make any sense. I said, I, I'm shooting 218 feet per second. That air has got to be getting there a lot slower. So what, what we have found is... If, if you shoot a fixed blade, a really well-built fixed blade broadhead, I, I can understand that. I understand your thinking behind that. You, you will absolutely no uh, possible failure. Um, Don Higgins and I had a debate about this exact subject, and he's a fixed blade. Uh, he, he, that, he would never shoot a mechanical. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I, I understand that. Uh, thought process. You want penetration, no chance of mechanical failure. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what those, and so I, I can respect that. I get it and, and no, no problem. What, what guys don't understand is that mechanical, I mean, that fixed blade head can still fail. And, and how can it fail? You know, that, that's guys are going, what, what are you talking about? Okay. When, when you tune your bow with a fixed blade head, you're shooting with perfect form, right? You're in your, your backyard, you paper tune it, you're, you're, you're shooting with perfect form. Okay, when you get into a real live hunting situation and you've got to torque your bow under a tree limb to make a 30 yard shot through a little hole, which is yeah. a real world situation, you've taken your bow out of tune. Mm -hmm. So the accuracy of that fixed blade head flying through the air has got more surface area and it's not going to be as accurate. Okay, yeah. so, so that in my mind, that's a failure. Um, when you're shooting a one inch or one and eighth inch fixed blade head and you miss the, the liver or an artery by an eighth of an inch, that's a failure to me. When you're in the wind and you're trying to make a 40-yard shot and you've got a 15, 20-mile-an-hour crosswind and that fixed blade head planes and you miss by six, eight inches because it planed in the wind, that's a failure to me. Yeah. Um, but but I'm, I'm not going to argue that that fixed blade head is not going to penetrate better, and I'm not going to argue that the chances of it mechanically failing, or it, it's not going to mechanically fail. I mean, I've seen uh, broadheads, I won't mention names, that have, have been on shoulder blades and not penetrated all the way through, and, and, and I've done it. So, again, I'm being super long-winded here, and, and we could talk for hours. What I have found is I like a more moderate weight out arrow of about 450 to 480. I like to be in that range. Um, it's very flat shooting. I get tons of penetration. We, we did a test on that too. We shot 470 versus 650 um, because I shoot 470 grain total arrows. And, and we, we looked at the trajectory out to 60 yards and the, at 60 yards, the trajectory of that 650 grain arrow was so bad, our jig that we had, our paper jig at 30 yards would not pick it up. It shot over the top of the jig. Mm 
And, and you can just imagine, you can just imagine shooting through the woods, right? With a 650 oh, yeah. grain arrow. I mean, the limbs that you're not accounting for, when you've got a zip one at 30 yards through a six inch hole, um, you, you need a, for whitetail, you need a flat shooting fast arrow. So I like to be 295 to 305. I don't really like to be over 305 feet per second. It's starting to get some sporadic stuff going on. Um, so I like a 450 to 480 grain arrow. I like it to be shooting over 390, under 305 feet per second. That's what I have found to be kind of the sweet spot. And I use the same pin from zero to 30. Most of your whitetail shots are 30 yards and in. And, and at that speed, you're, you're going to use just one pin and you don't have to think about it. Deer rolls in. I've ranged that tree. It's 30 yards. He's inside that tree. And I can kill him with my top pin. Easy peasy, easy day. Um, you, you know, we, we talk about uh, we talk about broadheads. Um, yeah, and I get a lot of hate for this, and that's fine. I'm a Rage Tripan guy. I love the Rage Tripan. Um, not, I mean, these, these are facts. I've shot 30 deer-sized animals in the last three seasons. 20 of those are mature bucks. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I've shot them with, with uh, I shot, I've lost two of them. Um, and one of them was shot with an iron wheel wide high in the shoulder. Didn't get a pass through. I got a picture of that deer um, about a month later and it didn't it didn't penetrate all the way through the deer was fine and i shot a buck in mexico in the exact same spot high in the shoulder with a rage tripan didn't get a pass through never found it everything else has been shot with rage tripans and you know we're, we're talking inside 70 yards we're talking two inch holes we're talking blood trails that you don't need a flashlight for um and, and they're super accurate and they're super quiet. We, we set decibel readers up and shot fixed blade heads. That's another thing. Two, two other points, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm being super long-winded here, but we set up decibel readers and shot fixed blade heads and mechanical heads over the top of the decibel reader. <clears throat> they're louder. And after the bow sound, the deer actually hears the arrow coming, and that they jump the sound of the arrow. And, and a mechanic, again, that's a, that could be considered another failure because that fixed blade head is going to be louder and, you know, the deer's going to hear it. Now, is it a lot? No, but, but it, it, we're talking about a game of millimeters here. If he jumps just a millimeter more and you miss that artery, you miss the top of the lungs because he heard it more, then, then that, that can be a problem. Um, also, the, the longer your arrow is in flight, the more susceptible it is to human error. So you got a 650 grain error and you've tortured, we're not perfect, right? We're not a hooter shooter. We're not a machine. So everybody puts human error into their shot. You can't get rid of that. And the longer your error is in flight, the more human error shows up. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that it's not going to be a heavier error is not going to be as accurate. Can you tune a heavy error to be accurate? Sure you can. But the longer that error is in flight, the more susceptible it is to human error. So it, Having said all that, my setup is a Rage Tripan, about 13% FOC. I use the 60 grain uh, shock knocks out the front. Um, total air weight, 470 grains. I use four heat vanes on the back and a uh, green nocturnal on the back of the era and build them all myself and spin them and tune them. And, <clears throat> you know, that, that's kind of my era setup. And, and yeah, that, that, you know, that's nerdy and that's a lot and, and uh, awful long winded, but yeah, I'm passionate about, as you can tell about this stuff. Yeah. It's like, I'm talking to myself right now, <laughs> <laughs> dude, I'm telling you what, so, Oh, to touch on all of that. Um, 
first off, I, I have to say I've I've kind of unfairly been a little against rage, which oh, yeah. I sh- shouldn't be because I've killed two deer with it. And let me tell you what, the, the shortest distance a deer has ever gone was with a rage. It was 20 yards. That sucker piled up like that. Uh, there is a difference. There's a difference in rages. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. but I'll, I'll forget this point. I'm not a fan of their like super wide, the original Rage. I had a lot of problems with those. It's the Tripan. The the Rage Tripan is the broadhead. It's it's titanium ferrule. It's got no collar and it's got 0.039 thickness stainless steel blades. Those are the Rages. Not all Rages are created the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to use the, um, so I used the no-collar ones when they came out. Um, before I got my bow, I used to hunt with a crossbow uh, just because my wife got it for me for Christmas and, you know, I was very new to it. Um, but I killed two deer with it. And the first one went 50 yards, piled up, complete pass through, never found the bolt. So I don't know what happened to the, to the uh, broadhead. But the second one, like two weeks later, dude, like I said, he died 20 yards away from where I shot him. And I mean, unbelievable and then so going into actually you know vertical bow hunting i was using rage that's all i had now i didn't know anything i mean dude when i took my bow to the shop i made the cardinal sin of saying hey i'm new to this i don't know anything set it up for me please and 300 later i had a 40 pound bow with 325 grain arrows and a 2.3 rage cut on contact thinking i'm gonna kill anything that shows up and throughout learning and, and becoming a nerd and in arrow setups and archery and all that. I, I have wanted to try one with the current setup I have. Um, but I'm a huge fan of that mega meat. So when you did that video, it was very interesting to see the comparison between my three favorite mechanical broadheads, where you can kind of see like the rage shocked me. It really did. Cause I'm thinking, you know, when I first watched it a while back, I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the mega meat train. It's going to do better than all of them. It did good, but it the did blade, great. It's a great head. That's a oh, chilling head. That's an awesome head. But the the rage didn't have as much damage, which shocked me because all I've ever heard was, "Oh, rages don't open. Rages don't do this." And what I've come to learn is, the guy saying that I don't know their arrow setup. They could be shooting a very light arrow. They could have hit it in the wrong spot. There's so many things that could have happened. So, yeah. I think you might kind of convince me to try. <laughs> Man, there's no, there's nothing wrong with those mega meats, man. That that's a great head, especially for whitetail, man. You, the center mass, you, you run that. I mean, it, it's three blades, you, you know, two inch cut on on all three of them. That, that's a great head. I, I would have no problem shooting that head. I, I just like the penetration of of the 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 two blade head, and I just have so much confidence in that tripan. Yeah. Well, in the deer back here, the one I was talking about earlier, I shot him with a mega meat, and. Uh, touching on what you said about arrow flight and sound and all of that. He was 18 yards away and I let the arrow loose. I watched him duck and I still hit him good, but he didn't, the arrow didn't go where I was aiming at. Let's just say that. And back then I, you know, wasn't really that uh, educated on arrow flight. I didn't know my arrows were fishtailing in the wind and all this other stuff. My stuff was totally out of tune. Um, but it still did the job. And I mean, it, it shredded one of his lungs. I mean, I, when I gutted him, I pulled it out and it was just ribbons and I'm like, good Lord, man. Yeah. They're great. 
Oh, they are. But it goes to what you're saying about like the heavy arrow versus kind of the a little bit lighter arrow. Cause I was shooting a 500 grain arrow then with 17, no, no, 14% FOC. And I mean, it, it did the job, but what I've noticed, cause I shoot 60 pounds at 28 inches. What I've noticed is an arrow like that. My bow hates it. I cannot tune it. It will not fly right. All this stuff. So I dropped down to about 445, 450, and that's the perfect weight, at least for me. And, yeah. you know, I'm about 16%, so it, it all worked out. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, all the, all the things you touched on, it, it's – like you said, we can go for three hours about this stuff because yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, 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 you know, the Rage Tripan. I've seen when it's done, and, yes, I've kind of talked bad on it, but I've never talked bad on that one. I, I, it's always the ones that are, like, the two-and-a-half-inch cut and all yeah. that stuff. And, I mean, I've seen good stuff from it. But I think the, the the one you're talking about, the tripan, but that see, aren't there two different tripans though? Isn't there one that's so, no collar and then one so yeah, so, so they had they 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 had the collared ones and they 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 quit making those and that, that's a good head. Um and, and now they have the no collar. Um and and that's the one that, that I shoot now is the is the no collar. I've still got some of the collared ones and I, I will shoot them. Um but yeah, it's so it's also the angle of those blades are a little more swept back. So, so the penetration is, is greater. It's just a, a it's, it's an all around really good head. The, the problem rage had is their original heads. They, they, a lot of them broke, you know, even on ribs. Um, and, and so they, they, they got a bad rap and I, I would agree. I, if it was the original rage, I would not shoot it. But I try and be as open-minded as I possibly can. Like like the Mega Meat, if I'd if I'd like that more, I'd have switched to that. You know, you know, right then after that test, um, the sever. You, you know, there's a couple things about the sever that I don't think are as good as the as the tripan. Um, but th that's also a great head, and a ton of big stuff has been killed with the severs. Um, so so yeah, I mean. It, it, to, to, to each his own and, and, you know, guys are going to do what they want to do and guys are going to hate on, you know, fixed blades. They're going to hate on mechanicals and, and they're going to hate on light arrows and they're going to love heavy and, you know, whatever, you know, that it's a very, it's a very opinionated area. And um, I try to be as open-minded and, and leave the ego out of the whole thing. And, you know, I, I shoot uh, a little G5 uh, headlock quiver that costs like 39 or 42 bucks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a little cheap quiver, but it's ultra quiet. It's got a really good cam system. It's got a little screw in piece for the tree. It's ultra quiet, easy, simple to use. And, uh, you know, there's, there's hundred, hundred fifty $150 quivers out there that got all the bells and whistles. And I don't, I don't fool with, them. um, yeah. just, just, you know, that, that's a quiver that really makes sense to me. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's good to know that because like T-Bone, will tell you all day he he doesn't use like a super expensive site he, i think he, he told me his site was like 30 bucks and i that blew my mind when he first said that because i'm like dude you you're you're t-bone like you're the big dog and you're using that and so it kind of it's good to hear that you know you're using just like everyday stuff you know because a lot of guys you know will get on that train about you know oh i need brand new arrows that victory just made or some easton uh pro comps that cost $300 and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are all amazing products. But for the average Joe, I, I mean, I couldn't spend 300 bucks on, on arrows like that. And sure. so it's cool to be like, you know, big name guys such as yourself, T-Bone, Jay Maxwell, all of that using just the same stuff that I would use, you know? 
So, and especially with the broadhead stuff, I mean, I hope I didn't, you know, say anything out of line with the whole rage stuff. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. No, you didn't say, no, ab, dude, I, I, I hear it all the time it, and it's fine. It, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, that's, it's almost as bad as Democrat Republican, you know, a fixed blade <laughs> and, and, and uh, mechanicals. That, that's a, people get their feelings heard and, and I, I, Hey, I'm up for seeing it. If, if somebody can come to me and show me, where I'm messing up, I'll be the first one to switch. I'll switch tomorrow because I'm not paid by anybody to to shoot anything. I, again, I want the most lethal setup and not just in one area, in, yeah. in, in all areas, in quietness, in flight, in cutting diameter, in penetration, in, in everything, in, in trajectory. I want it all. I want the, the, the best in all or or, you know, may have to sacrifice a little bit here to get there. Um, but, but you know, we're, we're hunting specific stuff. We're hunting big, mature, white-tailed deer. What's going to give me the best advantage of that animal? Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's something I think a lot of people really need to start about because I'll spend all day long, man, like looking up, you know, FOC calculators and new broadheads and stuff like that. Because, I mean, I'm, I don't have any broadhead or arrow sponsors or anything like that. So I'm I'm just using what I think is going to work, which is why I said you might have just convinced me to at least try the rage out, especially that no collar, because, you know, I, I have shot it before and it you were right. They're accurate and they're quiet because I've shot it up against a couple of fixed blades that I've had. And I mean, you can hear it, you know, and I mean, I probably will run like the Q80 Exodus this year. Um, I'll try that one out. Mega meat, possibly the rage, maybe even that new sever. I mean, I'm when I tell you I go down that rabbit hole. It's pretty bad. <laughs> no, man. It's, and that's what's fun about our sport is you, you can try different stuff. You yeah. know, I, I try and if I can't make it to the ATA show, you know, I, I definitely pay attention to all the new stuff that's come out and, and I want to get it and try it and test it and, and um, not bashing people's product. But if, if I like it and I think it's going to give me a, a millimeter of a, of a better uh, outcome than what I'm using now, I'll, I'll switch and use it and, and talk about it. Um, yeah. So, so that's, you know, it's, it's important to us to, to you know, when we get these opportunities to, to seal the deal and the things you can control, like your your gear, you know, that's mm -hmm. something you can control. You, you, you better have it, you know, dialed. You, yeah. you better understand it. And, and I always ask that, you know, that famous question, why? Why am I shooting this? Mm -hmm. um, and, and if the answer is because somebody on YouTube told me to, that, that's not a very good answer. You, you got you to gotta try it out. <laughs> Yeah, I was that guy. Um, there's a certain person that, you know, preached heavy arrow setup and it it worked sort of. But if I had the setup I have now, it probably would have worked better. But no, I mean, I've got buddies of mine, you know, that will hit me up all the time. It just happened two months ago. Um, a friend of mine was making or building new arrows and stuff. And he was like, hey, man, what do you think about this broadhead? I'm thinking about going fixed. And what do you think about FOC and arrow weight? And this is my bow setup. And I'm like, well, look, two hours later, after just completely bringing him in the rabbit hole with me. He tells me, he's like, man, you, I drove you crazy with this, didn't I? I'm like, yeah, you kind of did. <laughs> I was like, you're asking me a lot that I can just sit here and talk about for, you know, hours. And um, he, even he was saying, you know, oh, I'm probably just going to go with the original Muzzies or the Rage or, you know, whatever. Cause he used the Mega Meat last year. And um, he actually, his setup was a little too heavy. And so he missed a couple of times and he finally got one and it, it did amazing. But, you know, it's cool to hear you say, like, give your opinion on certain products, because like you said, you're not getting paid by these guys to say this. So then obviously you're, you're telling the truth. 
You know, yeah, it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no dog in the fight, man. I, I don't have a reason to say uh, a 470 grain era is where you need to be. Why, why, why would I say that? I don't sell 470 grain eras. Now, <laughs> now somebody could say, you know, you, you talk about your, your, your camo and, and of course I've got a dog in that fight, you know, absolutely. But, but in, in the bow I shoot, the eras, the broadheads, you know, all of that, the rest, the site, I have no, no sponsors, no, none of that. So I, I completely, you, you know, and, and again, we'll change tomorrow. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll change change setups tomorrow, but I've got to see it, and, and it's got to come from from somebody that's, you know, can, can prove it. You, you know, I've got I've got to see it, and then I want to take take it and test it as well. Yeah, I mean, to bring it full circle, man, like the whole camo thing. I think I think y'all's product really does speak for itself, though. You know, because it is so different. I've never heard anything bad about it. I've heard that's bad awesome. things from other companies, and I'm like, hey, well, I can kind of see that especially when they're coming out with blue camo. And I'm like, that isn't a deer is going to see you out of everything. Yeah. That's, that's bad. It, they see blue like 400 times better than we do. Oh, that's yeah. why they always talk about the UV. And if you're, your clothing, you need to make sure you wash your stuff in non UV brightening um, detergent. Most of the <clears throat> like dead down winds and the, the phase from the deer society guys, all that stuff is non UV. Um, because the, when you get UV in your like like your wife washes your girlfriend or whatever, you wash your stuff in Tide, um, and it's got UV brighteners in there. Um, you know that it, it puts blue, and and the deer see that they absolutely see it. I mean, we, we've all been there where we're in the stand and a, a doe pops out at 150 yards and she eyeballs you, and you're mm -hmm. not even moving. It's because you've got UV brighteners in your in your camo. No, yeah, no, no question about it. I've been in that situation, so I know exactly. Yep. What you're <laughs> Now, um, Osseo, so I've heard that some camo companies will have UV in, not not intentionally, but there's UV in the pattern or the threading or the material or whatever. I mean, do y'all, right? Yeah, yeah. So so all of our, um, it's in the fabric is where, where you get it. It's, it's the way the fabric's treated. And all of our fabrics, when, they, when they're being made or, or tested under a UV light that shows UV brighteners, and, and we have no... We have no UV brighteners in our fabric. Now, that's not to say that, you know, like, like I, I, you know, I've got a wife, had one for 23 years. And and uh, every now and again, my hunting vest will get mixed in with the, with the, you know, everyday stuff. And I've got a UV light and I'll put it on there and it's got brighteners in it. I can see the blue in in, in my stuff. And, and so you, you got to be cognizant of that. Um you know, because, you know, and, and, and yeah, if there's blue camouflage, I, I would definitely steer people away from that. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, there's no way that's going to sell. I mean, maybe for fashion, because, you know, a lot of people just wear camo to wear camo, especially around us. And, yep. you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I would never be caught dead in blue camo. No, no, that's that, a mistake. <laughs> well, it's like you were saying earlier, you know, back before camo was even a thing, you had guys like Fred Bear. I'm sure. Um, you know the Pope and Young guys and stuff. They they weren't wearing camo. They nope. just had regular clothing on, and so it's not like you need it, but it definitely helps. And I feel like if you're gonna do it, why not get something that doesn't look like everything else on the shelf? Why not you know go with something that's based off a predator that has natural camo, like God's camo. That's what I called it because yeah. it literally is. You know, so 
I don't know. I'm just doing a shameless plug for y'all because I love. No, I appreciate the heck out of that. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, man, I had to. Well, look, I don't want to keep you too long because honestly, we could be sitting here debating arrow stuff and broadhead stuff for three more hours. Sure. Uh, hour, but um, yeah, man. So before we wrap this up, what's uh, what's going on with Asia? What's something new? What's going on with Mission Whitetail? We didn't even touch on that. Yeah, so uh, podcast is growing. I actually filmed one right before uh, we, we got on here. Um, had had uh, Ben Harrison that's got the bow hunting league. Uh, just had him on for for about an hour and a half. Pretty cool. Um, that's that's a good deal he's got going. Um, so yeah, the podcast is growing. Uh, I'm going to have Adam Hayes is going to be doing some hosting with me. Uh, he's he's a real good buddy, and um, so he's going to be doing some hosting. I'm going to be doing a lot of the hosting myself. Um, ICO, yeah, we've got some new collar designs for bow hunters. We, we've got a really unique patent pending collar that's coming out that's different than anything on the market. And then we've got some new fabrics this year that are hitting same, same camouflage pattern, but um, some some quieter fabrics and more technical fabrics. We've got a, a new non-metallic. We, we've got a belt coming that doesn't have a buckle, um, so it's super quiet. Um, we've got a hand muff coming. We've got some base layers coming. We've got a smaller version of our backpack. Uh, we've got a late season vest, which I'm really excited about because you can wear it over our Sherpa jacket. Our Sherpa jacket's really compact bow hunter jacket, but, but it, it, it starts to kind of not hold up under the, when you get under the mid twenties, when you start getting into, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't have the Prima loft insulation in it. It's got the windproof liner. Um, and you can layer under it and get into the mid twenties. But if you, if you put our late season vest on top of that jacket, man, then, then you're down, you're down to zero and you're still real compact. And, and so we're excited about that late season vest is coming. Dude, I need some of that. Cause I was freezing my balls off last year. <laughs> oh, we got God. you covered, buddy. I promise you, 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 you won't get cold in this stuff. I had like seven layers on and I'm still sitting there just shivering like crazy. It was terrible. Yep. <laughs> like this um oh man you touched on something i wanted to talk about i can't remember dang it it was so important too oh crap well that's my monkey brain working right there no i get it man <laughs> well you know i'm sure i'm gonna remember once we get off of here but joe I, I can't thank you enough man i'm really excited about you know what's going on with osseo and and the fact that y'all you know, support the podcast in the way that you do. I, you know, we have that promo code, um, SEBH15 saves, or no, I'm sorry, SEBH10 saves 10% on y'all's website with everything. And and you guys have that Father's Day thing going on, don't you? Yeah, we do. That'll be going from now till uh, Sunday night of Father's Day. And we, we started a little early. So so guys that wanted to get dad stuff or wives, that want, you know, they'd have plenty of time for the shipping and all that to come in before Father's Day. So yeah, <clears throat> running that sale now and you know, osseogear.com is the website and that's our Instagram. And, and then my, my personal stuff is, is Joe Miles hunting on Instagram and, and Facebook. And yeah, guys, any questions, I'm, I'm happy to, happy to hear, talk, debate, whatever we want to talk about. I'm, I love talking deer and in most evenings and am doing it. So happy to engage with anybody that wants to talk, talk whitetail. Yeah, man, it, this has been great. So you're going to kill me, but I just remembered what I was going to ask you. Fire away, buddy. So have you heard of stealth strips? I have. Okay. Have y'all considered working or collaborating with them to get an Osseo gear stealth strip made? 
So me and is it Lou? Is that the guy that that that, that owns it? We have played phone tag for about two months, and okay. I've got about fifteen other guys that are begging for there to be ICO uh, stealth strips, and and I'm one of them. You know, I want to <laughs> wrap some stands and some sticks yeah. and some other stuff. So we've got to make that happen. If you talk with him, um, please tell him that that we're 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 in. We will license the uh, pattern to him. Uh, free of charge we, we just want some of the some of the strips and and so yeah we I'd love to do that I need to follow I always we're, we're so busy right now it's hard for me to remember but I, I'm gonna email myself when we get off here and and, and re remember to call him and see if we can't get that going because I'd love to have some of that before season oh yeah I mean I've got my climber half wrapped up in um I think it's like real tree uh, a strata or something like that I got it months ago and you know being lazy and all I just finally started doing it but it got me thinking, you know, we, especially when we were talking and I was like, dude, if Osseo came out with something like that or, or partnered up with Lou and all that, that would be amazing because yeah, Dan, yeah. You're invisible. Dan's invisible. I mean, you get, and you I saw, the Osseo, got yeah, this, yeah. what was it? The Matthews now that's got the Osseo pattern on it. Yeah. We, we got it dipped in, uh, in, in the Osseo and it, man, it looks good. God it looks so good. Y'all about to make all this like the predator out there, just invisible. <laughs> well, we want to help, man. We want to help, and we uh, we love it. So we 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 yeah, we're we're down for that for sure. Awesome. Well, I'll reach out to Lou. We're friends on Facebook. I've never talked to him, but I follow his stuff all the time. So I'll send him a message like, "Hey, I just talked to Joe. He said he's down. We need to get this going." Like, yes, please do. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Yep, love to get it going. So thank uh, you. Yeah, of course. Well, look, dude, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, you know, this, this episode, man, I had a lot of fun. You know, I need to get you back Me on. Too. No, I appreciate it. Anytime, yeah. man. I'd love to come back. I, I'm very, very thankful to, to be on here. And, and yeah, I look forward to doing it again. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. No problem. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll make it happen. All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right, man. Take care. You too. All righty. Thank you for listening to this episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. If you don't mind, go on Apple, go on Spotify, wherever you listen to this and give us a five-star review. It really helps out. And, you know, I just want to give all the glory and all the thanks to God. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. We wouldn't be able to do anything without him. So just needed to throw that out there. Thank you again for listening. And don't forget to give us a review.